Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Game Gravy Rewind Podcast. This is episode 42. I am your host, Anthony DeVirgilis, and tonight I have with me Mr. Michael Johnston. Hello. He is back from the West Coast in L.A. <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome back from E3, mister. Thank you. Thank you. Did I'm you glad have to be a, back. Did you have a good time out there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, got a lot of work done and saw a lot of awesome things and had fun. So, so before, it was a great E3. So before I interview you on your E3 experience, sure. um, we did have a special edition podcast that went out Monday night after all the press conferences. Um, yep. Tuesday there was two press conferences, so um, let's talk about those real quick. What did you think about Nintendo's showing? Um, Nintendo's showing was – it was okay, but it didn't really floor me away. Um, it was nice to see w- what they showed and I, I don't know. I, I had mixed feelings about it. <laughs> I okay, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I think the biggest issue was is that all the games, the major games, we have been so saturated with. Yes, that, I wasn't surprised. I guess you you would say. Yeah. Um. You know, with Microsoft's, you had a couple surprises. Mostly, honestly, it was the backwards compatibility. I think it. it well, yeah. Really wasn't that was any. Huge. Um. That and I would say the rare collection. Like, um, yep. I, I would say those are probably the two biggest things that Microsoft's um conference showed off sony you had the you know last guardian you had shenmue 3 and you had um the final fantasy remake so that was those were all kind of surprises um mm-hmm. with nintendo's you really didn't have that surprise you really um i mean we all kind of knew star well I, they showed star fox off last year so yeah we did know yeah star fox we was knew coming. it was coming and it was available like it would be like around but we didn't know i mean i guess we didn't know we were going to play it i didn't know that at least yeah um and we knew about mario maker since last e3 well, Mario um, Maker is like for a while, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been killed with details on that, especially and that and Yoshi's Woolly World. I mean, like that, that's yeah. another game. And Xenoblade even Xenoblades even had their own. They really didn't have anything to do with Xenoblade, though. I saw like a little stand there where it was playing the trailer, but it's not like you could play the game. That's a that's I, a hard game to demo. I I understand. I understand. Um, but that was pretty much that was it on that front. All the other games were games that you've seen before. But um, yeah, it, like. Like Super Mario Maker and Yoshi's Woolly World and Xenoblade, those are all games that I'm like really highly have expectations, like have really yeah. high expectations for. But the problem is, is I've seen so much of them that like I really didn't want to see those again in in this um, in, you know, in this trail or whatever you want to call it, the special presentation. Yeah, at um, the press conference for sure. Yeah, they they left off Fatal Frame. There, there was yep. a trailer later on they showed. They left off Devil's Third, and there was a trailer again of that later on that they showed. But, I mean, these are things yep. that they left off. Now, on the flip side, if you're a 3DS fan, you have to go home happy with the, with what they showed for 3DS. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they and had, you, got to, you got to get hands-on Zelda Triforce Heroes as well, too, while you were there. <laughs> that looked great. Did you have a chance to play Metroid Federation Force? I didn't. I didn't even see it, to be honest with you. Oh, that that game looks excellent. I can't wait there? for that. Because uh, I didn't. I, I did not see any stands for that. If it was, there. I don't know if it was on the showroom floor because that one's not coming out till next spring. Okay. So. Yeah, I did not see it if it was there. I mean, they had a bunch of like smaller games that have been around for a while off over to the left hand side, and then the bigger titles were in the center. So, and they had the Star Fox Simulator. Yeah, and then um, the other big game for 3DS that they well, of course, is the UK. Um, watch game that that's huge in japan that's making its way over to north america but the, i would say the other big game they announced was the mario mario and luigi paper jam that just looks mm-hmm. amazing it's a that's mashup cool. of the mario and luigi rpg series with the paper mario series yep yeah they actually had a demo i believe 
of that floating around. That's awesome. So, yeah, because I saw someone playing that ahead of me because they had they had girls walking around with like um like like they had like two guns instead of guns they had holsters and they had 3ds's in them and they were tied to lanyards tied to their waist so they'd walk around to people waiting in line and pass out these 3ds's for people to test games out so before cool. before we go into the interviewing process um mm-hmm. what, what would you say your top three games of the show were of the whole show wow that's tough um that's really hard i mean what did they have to be playable no 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 just just things that you're waiting for um, well, one of them obviously is, is Fallout. Fallout 4 looks awesome, and that whole experience was unique and fun. Um, you're probably going to disagree. I mean, I have more than, than three, so, uh, Forza 6 was another one. Halo 5 was another one. Um, then on the Nintendo side, Mario Tennis, the Ultra Smash, uh, I believe that's what that's called. Uh, that looks fun, and it was fun. I played it, um. And I won. <laughs> uh, and I'm semi-excited for Star Fox, but more excited for Zelda Triforce Heroes. Yeah, I think I think this is a really big year coming up for the um, for the 3DS. I, I really feel that they did a good job um, with the 3DS stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the Wii U stuff that's coming out to from now to the end of the year, I think there's some great stuff in there. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, I really haven't been too excited about 3DS games. The the last 3DS game yeah, I recently, bought, yeah, I the, haven't either. The last one I bought was uh, Super Smash, and I really I yep. haven't bought one since then, or haven't even been excited for one since then. No, so. yeah. The, I mean, I I play Smash regularly, and I play Pokemon. Why? And that's pretty much it. Yeah, so uh, I, I think we're going to get some really good ones. So what were the top three you mentioned? Uh, it was Fallout, Forza, um, Halo. It's kind of Microsoft stuff. And then on the Nintendo side, uh, Zelda Triforce Heroes for sure. So and I would, Mario Maker. I, I, mean, I would um, say not being there, not touching anything just from trailer-wise. I would say my top one, my top game that I came out of the show Oh, um, obviously, Last Guardian as well too. Well, I, I would say that the, <laughs> the the one game that that I wasn't sure about that I came out of the show and it's my number one game I'm looking forward to is Star Wars Battlefront. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about that? <laughs> so okay, let me rephrase any of that. The number one game that I'm looking forward to play, getting in my hands and not taking out of my system for a while, is Star Wars Battlefront. For sure. Yeah. I probably played consecutively 12 to 13 rounds of it because I was that much of a loser where near the end of the show, I kind of hung around the booth, talked to the guys, and they're like, you know what? There's not that many people around. It's near the end of the show. You want to play with us? And I was like, sure. So they let me behind to play with them, and I, I played like at least 10 rounds right there. Uh, and then it came back the next day, and we did, it, we did it again. So I'm very much looking forward to that game. Yeah. So that's my number one from what I've seen. Um, I'm gonna do my number two is actually gonna be two games. I'm gonna put I'm gonna like bundle up two indie games because I'm really looking forward to two individual games. But I want to mention a third because I feel like I sure I, I feel like I have to do it justice since it was getting hugely bashed. So number two is gonna be Cuphead and Unraveled. Mm-hmm. Um, Cuphead looks amazing. Both of those are indie games. Both have s- different um, play mechanics, but both to me each have their own individual uniqueness and niche about it that I'm super excited for both. If I had to pick one of those and say what my favorite indie one was, it would definitely be Cuphead. 
Oh yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I would go Cuphead uh, yeah. out of the two because Unravel, while while it it looks neat, it doesn't look completely original. Cuphead looks completely original. I completely agree. Yep. Um, and, and then my number three is, and I know I'm probably gonna catch flack for this because there's so much hatred going around, but I'm really excited about Metroid Prime F- uh, Federation Fighter or Force. Hmm. I I think that game's gonna be great. It's four player online co op. And That's cool. It, and it's from Next Level Games, who their last two games were Punch Out and um, Luigi's Mansion: Dark Moon, which are both excellent. Well, they're games. great games. Yeah, I- exactly. And people are complaining, oh, it's not Samus. It's not the point of Metroid. You're supposed to be alone and isolated. But you know what? It's a spinoff. And, yeah. And what's what what's the big deal about having a spinoff in the Metroid universe? It's a first person shooter. I think it's welcome because the universe is pretty amazing, and we want we always complain how we want more of it. So why are we complaining? It reminds when they me give of it to us. ODST. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and and like I is that necessarily a bad thing? No, it's no. It, this could be great. Yeah, it could be I a great departure. Agree. And you know what? They're, to me, Nintendo don't have enough online co op games. So the fact that this is gonna be online co op like has me yeah. really like I noticed a trend. Bits. I feel like uh Nintendo leaned heavily towards co- couch co ops and, and just co op games in general. Um I feel like they've been listening to our podcasts and reading our articles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what though? I think they I think Nintendo's seeing that they you know, and Nintendo's always been a manufacturer of fun. To me yes. they're they're always, they've always been the on the forefront of you know, you might not like our game, but you're going to leave with a smile. And exactly. I think they're realizing that that's caused by playing with your friends. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with Splatoon, I, I feel like that needs voice chat in some areas. I, I do agree with you. I think I think overall in general, um, especially with Zelda Triforce Heroes, they're missing out on a very important component, and that is voice chat. And I know they have plenty of excuses under the sun of why they're not including it, um, but they need to get over it and make it an option <laughs> where if people don't want it because maybe people are getting bossy or, or being stupid, that you can play it without it. But a majority of people, I'm guessing about 98%, are going to leave it on. <laughs> okay. And um, so I don't want to make this a podcast bashing Nintendo in their in their No, uh, no, voice no, chat. not at all. We, we've done that. And, you know. We've done that. I'm yeah, just, exactly. It just came to be a relevant point in our next point of conversation. <laughs> so so let's go ahead and we'll, we'll start off the interview. So, um, well, how... wait, wait. Let me, let me do one more thing. You didn't even ask me what my favorite experience overall in E3 was. I was going to ask you that in the, in the interview process. Okay, fine. That's fine. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> I apologize. No, no, you're fine. Okay, so um, so let, let's start this off. Getting to E3 and getting in, um, how does this experience differ from PAX? Wow. Okay. Um, in regards to like the whole queue setup and everything? Um, okay, so we talked earlier this year about PAX, and it seemed like it was like they herded you in um, very long lines. Is Is that similar? Yes and no. So it really just depends on your rank within the industry, to be honest with you, and who you are and how important you are. So um, they have the registration booths outside for normal industry people and people that have actual productions and are part of media, they register in the media table inside the building. Um, They have specific set hours for the exhibition hall. which is normally like on the first day, it's like 12 to 6. The second day, it's like 10 to 6. And then the last day, I think it's like 10 to 5 or something like that. Um, but media can get in early. So there normally is 
a crowd of people where they heard people they heard normal um exhibit hall passes and there's a huge line that goes out the building so if you're not there early like and i'm saying like an hour or two earlier to to be in line chances are you're going to be in huge line you might as well just go in there late but if you do that you're not going to get a good queue line in some of these exclusive demos however if you're press you can just walk in okay like you don't have to wait for anything well that's you, you, nice you can just walk in do the thing they have press lines you can everything's expedited so my experience the last two years has been really good i haven't had to wait in any large lines i've been able just to be let right in and be able to experience everything immediately before the whole slew of people come in um PAX doesn't do that, regardless whether you're media or you're not media. They don't. They don't care. In fact, media has no special privileges at PAX sometimes because you you get a free badge, and everybody else that goes there pays for their badge. So they treat the people that pay for their badges a lot better than press, because you're not paying. Well, the, so have, the whole point of of PAX was for the public it's to consumer get in there. Facing. Yeah, exactly. It's consumer facing. And and you know, E3 is not consumer facing, it's industry facing. So, but they're obviously they're going to treat media better because media is writing all the articles, they're creating all the videos and they're generating all the press. So, you know, if you work for one of the video game companies and you're there to support your project or whatever, you'll still get in and it'll be fine, but don't expect to get first dibs on a game and, you know, have no lines. <laughs> but yeah. So that's does that answer your question on how they differ? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, you got there day one. What did you do the first day? Oh, man. Well, I worked. <laughs> so, um, I worked on a bunch of stuff. Um, but I played Forza, Forza 6, which was excellent. I played Star Wars Battlefront, which was excellent and awesome. And I got some photos with Stormtroopers. And I also did the X-Wing experience that, that was outside. And I'll post an article about that later. They had a whole X, uh, X-Wing replica outside, a uh, screen in front of you, behind you. You get fully suited up in your uh, your Rebel gear, um, and you sit in there, and they actually shoot like a commercial trailer with you in it acting. And they post-process it, and they'll email it to you within 10 days, which is awesome. <laughs> so I'll be sure to look on, that, on the site for that. But um, what else did I do? I did the Project Morpheus experience, which was unique. What was the best Project Morpheus game you played? I only played one because the line was absolutely long, and even with my press pass to get in, uh, you didn't get to pick your game. You just, they stuck you in whatever was free. So I only played one, and it was the Bomb Defusal. However, the Bomb Defusal is a two-player game, and this is something that you specifically have been talking about, and we, me and you have kind of been bantering back and forth on because you're like, oh, VR is so gimmicky, and I'm like, yeah, it's gimmicky, but it's not really gimmicky. I think it's um, just another way to extend your gameplay and make it more immersive. And they they uh, each game pretty much did what we all we, we constantly talk about is it challenges VR its downfalls and how to work around it and how to like address those problems and issues that people think seem to think it has and it's cool like the one I did was a two player game one person has the headset on and is the bomb actual diffuser and the other one is the specialist and they have this manual in front of them. And the goal is to communicate with each other. And you can see on a TV what the other person's doing. Um, but the second player does not have a headset. The second player is sitting in a chair next to you. And the first person has to clearly communicate what they're seeing and be extremely observant of the whole bomb, rotating it around in 3D space, looking at your surroundings and your desk, just like, or wherever you're at in, in, in the game. 
and communicating back and forth saying, oh, I see four batteries on it. Oh, wait, there's two batteries on the side. There's there's uh, there's six batteries all together. What does that mean? And then as a specialist, you have to look in your, your bomb defusal guide and figure that out and work together and be like, oh, crap, that means you're going to have to look at this. How many wires does it have? What colors are there? And there's different schematics and routines you have to look through. So you're effectively working as a two-player team to complete one goal, and then you, you would switch. And go to the next part in the book. Another person diffuses the bomb while the other one's a specialist. So it was kind of a unique experience that was extremely fun and and quite differently. And by the way, I diffused the bomb and I had five seconds left in the end because <laughs> you're on a timer, by the way. Nice. And if you, if you don't mix beat the timer, the bomb explodes and you both die. Now at e three at e three. Now, now, like as much as <laughs> as fun as this sounds. And stuff. I still feel like it sounds gimmicky. Like I feel like it'll, you it's, can't make okay. a, you can't make a whole game based on that. Well, okay. It, like I said, it was a proof of concept to show that you can actually create a two player game with VR. It wasn't meant to be a full game. I mean, it was meant to show these are things that you can oh, do I, to make I, things I, two player. I understand that, but it, again, and I don't think it's gimmicky. It was actually really fun. You can have a whole book of those scenarios and routines. Yeah, and but the thing it. is, is like you're not gonna. You like puzzle games, don't you? That's a different level. Yeah, of a puzzle I, I game. do like puzzle games, but the thing is, is it, I don't know. It's is it worth going to be worth what the price is? The fact that they still have not given a price is scary. I don't think it's scary, but I think it's warranted that they need to come out and say, hey, it's going to cost this much. Well, the, Oculus came the, out and say, hey, it's going to cost this much. No, no, neither of them have. And that's okay. and, and that's what the scary part is, is the fact that... Well, the dev kits are going for two to $300, so I can imagine that the consumers are going to be at least that much, if not a little bit less. Well, they'll be less than a dev kit, but um, dev kits are usually always more expensive because they'll okay, have... Okay, well, then, then let's factor that in. If the Oculus Rift DK2 is $300, then consumers might be like 150 I still think 150 is too expensive. I mean, that, I don't. Not it, for what you get. If you've ever, you're gonna buy them, that the Xbox One Elite controller for 150. Um, we'll talk about that later when we talk about the that's, Xbox stuff. That's ridiculous. 150 dollars <laughs> for a controller. That's kind of it's. It is kind of ridiculous. I will tell you, I got my hands on it, and I'll write that up in my Forza article. They had they had it going for the Forza Six game, and. It's a lot more ergonomic than the Xbox One controller, and it's customizable, and the paddles on the back are in the exact perfect position on your fingers. So I can I can understand why it's going to be a great controller. Um, do I think that price point's a little high? Yes, I do. I paid $100 for my mouse, actually $120 for my, uh, my mouse, but it's a 6500 uh, DPI mouse that adjusts DPI on the fly on a click and it's completely customizable in regards to weight built size like I can tear it down build it up make it at whatever weight and height and whatever I can customize it and I use my PC a lot for games however I do use my consoles but I don't think it's worth 150 bucks man at this point prove me wrong later and show me something awesome you can do with it. Yeah. Because they had a demo of it there and they had all the different customizable facets and you can play with them all and see it. But like, I'm, I would consider myself one of the very like 2% of the elite hardcore gamers that would actually use it properly. And I, I find it hard to swallow that price currently. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's pretty high. I so do. I, I agree. 
Now, for, for that, for the Oculus Rift, I'd buy that in a heartbeat for 150. That that would not even flinch. Should I buy that for 200? <laughs> but are you gonna get the Oculus Rift or are you gonna get Project Morpheus for 150? Oh, Oculus Rift. I want to play Halo and Forza Six. And see, the thing is, Oculus did a great partnership. They were very smart, and Microsoft was very smart in, in partnering with Oculus. They needed a VR headset that worked with the Xbox, and guess what? That that was a perfect combo. But what about the Hololens? That's that's a whole other experience altogether. So you're gonna pay so, for Hololens and a yeah, because the Hololens is a different application. So, do you know what the Hololens is? Yeah, I I, I watched the um the trailer with Minecraft and all that. It's it's augmented mm-hmm. reality. It's not virtual reality. Exactly. There's a big difference. Yeah, would, but it, are you gonna buy two different headsets? Like that's ridiculous. Like this is like this is get, you're, you're tacking on accessories. It's it, no, no, no. But it's it's different. It's not necessarily that I'd be something I'd be using with my Xbox per se. It'd be something that I'd be using with my life and my PC. Like there's so many cool applications that you can use for that. Like it's effectively like an accessory for my laptop at that point or my um my tablet. It's not necessarily. I'm not seeing it as like an Oculus. Or, you know, accessory for my Xbox. But if it works with it, cool. So be it. That's great. If I can transition from my PC, tablet, mobile phone, and go to my Xbox, then then cool. But, like, the whole... I, I will tell you overall, since you didn't ask the question yet, my most favorite experience at E3, by far, no questions, I don't even have to think about it, was the, the HoloLens Halo 5 Guardians experience. By far. That was my favorite experience of all E3. That left a lasting impression on me. Do you want to know why? Why is that? <laughs> I can walk you through exactly yeah, what you're, you're, what you're asking all my hard questions. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. So, um, what happens is at the beginning of the whole Halo Five Hololens experience, and I'm gonna write, I'm gonna do a write up article about it and include a bunch of photos and videos that we got as press, and you'll see that on the site, uh, so you can actually see what the, actually I was seeing, uh, which is cool. They didn't allow photography in there, but they took professional photography so we could use it. Um, but anywho, so you before you walk in the chamber, um, they actually put this device on your eyes. They measure your depth of field and your vision, and then they give you a number. So they calibrate it to your eyes. And then you walk in, and they're like, hey, no cameras. We'll beat you down physically if you try to pull your phone out and kick you out. Um, and they're like, they started, they're like, we're going to get into the character here. And they got into character, and you are literally, when you walk through the door, in a locker room for the u.s marines like like a either like you're in the back of a ship or you're on the base locker room and there's all these lockers in front of you and they're like we're going to call you one marine at a time and calibrate your headgear and one sure enough each person got called up they they showed you how to put it on tighten it and calibrate it in front of you and you saw they're like all right so what you're going to do is see four dots in your peripheral if you do not see the four dots adjust the headset so you see them directly in front of you and you did and they're like, okay, cool, four dots in front of me. And they're like, follow your waypoint and continue to the next location. And you're like, well, where is that? They're like, step forward, please, and follow your waypoint. And right when they said that and I walked forward, a waypoint popped up right in front of me. And it's amazing because it's a fix-in-space waypoint. So it's actually like, it's holographic, right? So it's in one spot so you could walk around it in full 3D space, and it doesn't move. It's not in your glasses. It's in space, in, in physical space, it feels like. So you can walk up to it. You can look, put your hand through it. it it's animated, or it's, it's it's really very clear. You can walk around it and see everything, all the details. And right when you walk up to it, it's interactive. It said, please follow the line. And it was like a little Pac-Man trail. 
you know, like a little, literally like a waypoint. It's like, follow this line. And as you're following it, the lines are disappearing. It's like, turn left here. And like the arrow. And I mean, I was literally in awe. It felt like I was in a movie, man. And it was right in front of my face. And then when I got to this, the conference room, I walked in and I was right at the table. Everybody that had their headsets on were there as well, too. We're all around the circular, circular table. And then all of a sudden, like Minority Report or a freaking movie, the table glows and the map and uh, this girl pops up through the bottom of the table and lands on top and you can see everything and she's like hey Spartan this is what we're going to do and they literally tell you your whole mission show you the layout of the level you can walk around her walk around the whole level and see it get very close to it in detail look at things you're in full 3D space of everything and then um, it, re it recorded all that it, it was just it was fantastic man it I can't even hardly describe it. I just have to show you the photos and videos because it was unreal. I didn't realize technology was at this level on a consumer like ready basis. Like I feel like the HoloLens experience, it's ready to go, man. Like we were proof there the proof of concept already just it just happened and I'm waiting for a price tag because there's so many applications I can see that being used for. Um whether it's gaming or real life or in your house or whatever. I mean, it's just freaking awesome. Uh, and then we went and played Halo after that, and we won, because we're awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you being awesome, maybe your teammates were, but... <laughs> I was pretty surprising myself. That was, that was pretty I don't good. know, I've seen you play Splatoon. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> I and guess, I don't know, I get uh, first so, place. Come so, on, so the, the real question everybody's wondering is, are you a kid or are you a squid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a squid. <laughs> no, I'm oh, man. But... So so, uh, what's it? What's life like out in LA? Warm and sunny and amazing. Oh, sounds like Florida. Except no humidity. Oh, that sounds even more amazing. And really expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> but the girls are hot. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anywho. Um. So what? What was the best booth that you seen there? The best booth, <clears throat> I'd have to say there's two best, two best booths in my mind. Um, the first one uh, was uh, Capcom that I liked, and they had a whole unique experience for Street Fighter V. They had a bullet time camera set up and a stage, an interactive stage of Street Fighter actors and martial artists and stunt people. And you would wait in line, and they would literally go up there and be like, all right, have your fighting move ready. Either you get hit or you hit them, and let them know immediately, and this line will move. And sure enough, the line moved really quick. And what you did was you reenacted a fight, and, and they count to three, and they had a director on set. And then you would act this thing out, and like like let's say like I did a knee, like a knee out punch, like a, a knee kick. And it looked like I hit Ryu and... Um, and uh, Oh, what the heck's that Russian guy? <laughs> I forget his name. <laughs> um, but yeah, we you hit you hit the characters, and then all of a sudden it captures the bullet time video in full 180 space, and then you get a video afterwards, and it was really cool. And then you could go play Street Fighter Five afterwards against just people like they had a little tournament set up, and it was a really fun experience overall. So a oh, bison. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, that was the first one. And the second one, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and so everybody knows I'm not like you. I'm not a huge Nintendo fanboy. I love Nintendo a lot. 
I grew up with Nintendo, but I'm not going to say Nintendo's the best at everything all the time just because, just because, blindly, all right? But, bro, I'm not blind. I see 50 or 2020 <laughs> vision, bro. They're, Whatever, they're the best. I, I do too. But I will, I will tell you, Nintendo knows how to do it right at all the conventions, or uh, well, at least E3, uh, because they gamify their experience. They gave you this book, this like little card, just a piece of cardboard that folds in half, and then, and in the in it that has a list of games. If you play those games, you get a special pin, and people want to collect all the Nintendo pins, so they're going to all these things to play all the game, but not. It, it's it's like. They want you to know about their titles and play their titles, but they want to give you a reason to stick around, and they know their Nintendo fan base. They know their Nintendo fans love collecting things, love everything Nintendo, and you can hang out there for hours, and literally a lot of people did. And not only that, but they had a stage set show where they were doing shows every 20 minutes with their... um, their, their Nintendo team on uh, Mario, Super Mario Maker. And they would do different scenarios. They'd call people up from the crowd and have them play the levels or build something and challenge the, the, the hosts. And um, they even had Charles Martinet, um, the voice of Mario and Luigi, show up and meet people, walk around, say hi. He was a super nice guy. And do a lot, all the voices. Anything you could possibly think. You didn't even have to ask him. He just did them all. <laughs> every every key phrase. I'm sure he's got it all. He has them all memorized <laughs> by heart. But he just spit through them all. So, <clears throat> you know, they had all those great games. Things to collect. They're giving away patches and pins. And, uh, you know, I, put, I posted that on my article that I posted at E3 on the Nintendo Blue section. You can go check that out. But... They just know how to do it, and it was a very friendly atmosphere. Everybody was really nice. They answered any press questions you had or any questions in general, and um, and yeah, I was impressed. They just they know how to do it, um, and and you know, all the places that that did that had high traffic. Microsoft was another one that did that. They're giving away a lot of Battletoad stuff, and they had huge areas full of different games to play. From Rainbow Six to Battletoads to Forza to Halo, I mean, you name it, they had like they had a lot of games to play there, and the con- they're constantly rewarding you for standing in line. If you stood in line for a while to play a game, they'd give you a special pin. I haven't written that article, uh, written that article yet, but it's it's going up soon as well too. Um, so yeah, I'm still gonna say too that the Nintendo Treehouse is the single best thing at E3. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, they had the treehouse stage set up right in the center. So the way you walk in is you have the huge Star Star Fox experience. You had all the other games dispersed in between. The treehouse studio in the center, and in the Mario Maker, the Super Mario Maker uh, stage to the left, all in this one area. So no matter what you're interested in, there's always something to watch and look at and be engaged in. It wasn't just like a boring experience where some of the other booths you walk by and you you see lines to play games and, you know, the reps are just there to, like, cattle herd you in line. Uh, A lot of the other booths that were good, um, Konami was even really good in Square Enix, they would talk to you. They would say, hey, what games do you like playing? Oh, you should check this out. You'd really like this and answer questions for you and engage you. I think that's what the whole experience is about, is learning about the titles, making you want to buy them or, you know, write about them or make videos about them. Uh, and the booths that did those rights stood out the most and had the most people. Yeah, and again, like, you know, from being at uh, that being at home standpoint, the Treehouse is great because you get to watch eight hours each day of them streaming, you know, 15 to 30 minute sessions of different games. And mm-hmm. this year they highlighted a lot of indie games, which is great. Um, there was one oh, from yeah. Shannon Games called Fast Racing Neo. And that game looks phenomenal. It looks like F Zero. 
Um, I saw Jules on stage while I was actually texting you, <laughs> talking yeah, to you. But, um, You're so, like, Jules is there. I see him on the treehouse. And I was like, oh, that, he's right in front of me right here playing uh, uh, Mutant Mud Mutant Super Mars. Challenge. Yeah, so yep. that, that mm-hmm. was that was pretty um, – that's pretty fun to watch, you know, some of the indie guys get up there and, mm-hmm. and show off their games. Yeah, I agree. It was a great, great time. Lots of fun stuff to see. Yeah, um, I think uh, – I think you basically answered everything I had about E3. Is there anything else you wanted to throw in there? Um, I said I said it before. Last Guardians looked amazing. Um, that whole Sony uh thing where they had those three games all aligned. Um, it was really cool to see the extra footage that was involved. Uh, because you saw the E3 trailers during the press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I don't know, they just, like, Horizon Zero Dawn was a game that I knew very little about, and they actually had a playable demo in there, but, I mean, you couldn't play it, the developer played it, but it looks like in a very finished, polished state, and it looked like it handled really well, and it was amazing. I think it's a game that I want to check out for sure. Um, I want to see more, a little bit more details about it when it's released, um, but um, they, I was just surprised by by those games, and... I feel like Horizon, um, Uncharted 4, and The Last Guardian actually truly feel next-gen based on how the game reacts, how it looks, how it handles. I mean, I was just... I thought it was just a lot of trailer stuff, but, like, the gameplay was was what blew me away. I'm like, well, this isn't a trailer. This is actual gameplay footage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, because, you know, you normally think, oh, that's, that's CG. But, but, no, it was... It was actual gameplay. But that's all I can really think of. I mean, I I, I talked about a lot. I mean, one thing I, I think I mentioned prior was uh, Just Cause uh, 3. Um, I was somewhat, you know, familiar with, with the franchise. Wasn't too, like, excited about it. And so when I saw it, I was like, eh, whatever. And they, I was just, I happened to be on a break. So I was like, you know what? They're playing in this theater right in front of me. So I sat down and um, I was like, sure, I'll watch this. It looks interesting. And sure enough, they captured my attention, and it's a game I want to check out for sure. Um, the new features that they have in that title, and it's like pretty much like an open world, you know, there's one mission, and you come up with whatever solution, and you can handle it in any way. And anything that you see on this island, you, you can go to, whether you're squirrel suiting it there, or stealing a car, or, you know, one way or another, if you see it, you can get there. And you have this cool grappling hook attachment on your arm and your, you know, your parachute and squirrel suit. There's just so many cool things you can do. And they're like, you have to make sure this dictator is uh, losing influence within these villages and cities. So do that in any way you see fit. So I kind of feel like you're like a Rambo, a high tech Rambo. And you're like, all right, let's mess this guy up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't know. So I think E3 provides a lot of that. Uh, where you see games that you're normally uh, not n- normally looking for, but then you see them and you're like, "Wow, I never knew about them that much." That's cool. Metal Gear Solid Five was a game I knew about, but I'm even more excited for as well. You know what I would like to see um, from not not necessarily E3, but I would like to see. I mean, I, I guess PAX is kind of that show, but I would like to see something on the size of E3 for indie games. Because yeah, you know, I, 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 I feel like, like a lot of like indie PAX games got lost there. in the shuffle this year. They had the they had the indie whole show floor at PAX East. I mean, there was a whole indie section, which was huge. I felt like I spent more time 
covering indie titles at PAX East than I did large titles, to be honest with you. But do you, because... but do, do you kind of get that sense? Did you kind of agree with that sentiments? Do you feel like indies got lost this year at E3? I kind of feel like they did. No, I I, I feel like they were there. They made a presence. But, well, but yeah, but you were there. Like, I, I think at home it was Oh, a in regards bit... to the news, for sure, because they don't have the money to, sh- to, to throw around and, and, and that clout like all the, the AAA publishers yeah, have. Yeah, like, I, I felt like sitting at home, I felt like we didn't see enough of indies. I, I There was, like, Nintendo didn't have an indie sizzle reel in their presentation. No. Um, no. Microsoft did, but they never really focused on it. Um, Sony no, did, but not... they didn't focus <laughs> yeah. on it. Um, Nintendo in the past has put it in there. Um, I think the biggest thing for any indies this year was the at-home program Nintendo did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was great. I, I thought mean, it was... one one thing we have to keep in mind is that E3 is business, man. I mean, it's but, it's but business I, I, deals, I... it's partnerships, it's it's things like things that aren't conducive to indies. And I was surprised that they brought indie developers and publishers in, and I'm happy they did. And you know what? Being there physically in person, they had a larger presence than you than you actually think. Yeah, um, it's just unfortunate. They just weren't they... covered as heavily from the E3 perspective. Yeah, it's just unfortunate they do get lost in the shuffle, though. They 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 do. Like there was a lot of things that I saw that were really cool that um, I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Like like you like you said, like there was a whole indie section. There's actually two or three different indie sections there, but you have to go seek them out. Yeah, you know I mean? see, and, I and I, I, I wish there would. There's a little bit like more front and present because there is a lot of indie games, and then you know it. It is also sad that during that week, I you know if any recommendation to um, to indie developers out there, I would not release a game on the eShop or the PlayStation Store or anything like that during E3 week because no. your game will will be lost <laughs> because the, the Sony the um, the PlayStation blog site, which I normally get the information off of, never even updated their store information for what came out that day. Yep. So that to me that like that's just insane <laughs> that that they didn't even no, up- I... update it. I mean, Nintendo at least updated theirs and put out their normal press release, but Sony didn't even do that. So that's I, I, I don't agree, know. Yeah. That, that's a little weird, but yeah. No, I I feel you on that. I mean, that's why I'm glad we have those consumer based you know, conventions as well to go to. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I think we covered everything, man. Okay, great. So um, next week we will be back to our normal format. No more E3 talk. <laughs> no, yeah, this was part two to wrap it up. I just wanted to make sure we, uh, we got everyone all the details of what we experienced. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, so until next week, I'm Anthony. And I'm Michael. All right, See you later. Bye-bye.